I really enjoy my time, whatever that looks like, whether it's with family, friends, by myself, binging a TV show. I'm at the point now that I learned through all of this what I do and don't need out of a partner, um, what my price of admission is, like what am I willing to look past, be okay with, what am I not kind of thing. Hey, hey, welcome back to I've Been Better. I'm your host, Susan Youngstead. We are here on a beautiful Sunday in North Carolina, wrapping up some recordings for this month. And I am super excited to share today's guest with y'all. So hang tight. We're going to get there in just a second. Uh, Before we do that, I did want to remind everyone, if you haven't already, please rate, review, subscribe, tell your mom, tell your friends, tell your neighbor, put it on Instagram, put it on Facebook. I don't have a Twitter. Put it on Twitter. Put it wherever you'd like to please encourage people to listen to I've Been Better. We have been having such a good time recording and hearing the positive stories that, well, I guess I shouldn't say the positive stories, but the positive impact, the stories that we've been sharing have had on people. And we've gotten some really, really sweet and awesome reviews. So thank you to our, you know, loyal listeners that are doing that. And we just are so grateful for this audience, the whole 200 people that consistently listen. Just kidding. Hopefully it's a little more than that one day. But in the meantime, please, please spread the word and tell people about I've Been Better. Um, So to get back to today, I have my wonderful friend who is also my co-chair in the causes that we care about in life and fellow dog mom. And she has been, you know, someone that has gradually grown closer and closer to me in my life that we had these moments where we knew each other. And then over the last couple years, we have gotten closer. And I'm really excited to have y'all hear from Jen today. So in front of me, I have Jen Bordeaux. I love the teaser. Yeah, (laughs) We'll get back to that in a second. Cliffhanger. (laughs) So a little bit about Jen, just so y'all can have some background. She is formally known as the director of public relations, but informally known as the remover of the divorce veil and bridge builder between legal teams and the community. She is a dog mom of two pups, Chance and Theo. She's a non-recovering music addict, shameless lover of all the dance movies. She just told me that she had had her mom watch Hamilton for the first time this weekend, which we both agreed was a crime against humanity to have not watched Hamilton yet. Right. It came out like last year at this time. Yeah. I I could wait. I was counting down once I saw the previews that it was coming out. So, yeah. Right. And she is a forever hopeful romantic. So welcome, Jen. Thank you. So happy to be here. And I say hopeful because I think hopeless sounds sad. Like I get like the the romantic idea of it or, you know, whatever, kind of like the oxymoronic, sad, but happy kind of thing. But I'm a hopeful, okay? Because I've learned a lot along this journey, the 35 years that I've been on this journey called life so far. Hopefully a lot more to learn still. Yes. But I feel like hopeful at this point is just a better better term. I don't know. You're so right. You know, I've actually never thought about that, that we would, we call people hopeless romantics. And I think because it's a coin phrase that we just hear in society, you just pointing out that we call people hopeless romantics. (laughs) Like, like, wait a second. It should be hopeful. Yeah. Wow. We have a lot of work to do in the society of changing (laughs) these phrases. Jen, tell us a little bit about yourself. Um, I'm awesome. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> but you are. So good start. Yeah, thanks. Um, I, man, I don't know. If you would have asked me this question just three years ago, I probably would have had a very different answer. And some days it's still going to change from day to day as yeah. to who I am or how I'm feeling. But um, I am 
probably in all senses of the words in a way that I never thought I would be. I'm going to start with just happy. I'm a happy person. Um, confident, sassy, and always sarcastic. Um, and I love, I can genuinely say that professionally, which I know we'll get more into that, but I love what I do. Did not go to school for what I do, <laughs> have no experience um, in the marketing realm, but uh, I love what I do and I get to, to do it um, in a way that helps people so much. Hopefully yeah. I make a little mark to help people along the way, along with the wonderful team that I work with. And um, as you mentioned, a dog mom and love Chance and Theo, my crazy little pups. And uh, the dance movies, I had to throw that in there because, as I've mentioned, I'm 35 years old. (laughs) But if you tell me that there's another step up, I don't care if it's like step up 35, I'm going to watch it and I'm going to love every second of it. Are you going to try to learn the dances? I used to when I was younger. I grew up dancing, so still still hanging on to, you know, that those glory days that I won't let go. But I'm so jealous. I wish I had done dance. My parents were not super pressuring about sports or anything like that. I was also the baby of the fourth of four siblings in an order. And so by the time they got to me, they're like, do whatever you want. So I played soccer and I never played soccer again after those years. I wish I had done dance. They're like, just just stay alive. Yeah, at this please. Point. Like you're the fourth one. Just dear God, please. Yes. <laughs> yeah. No, I um yeah, I grew up dancer and cheerleader and I played a, a I still consider those sports because they are very active and athletic. (laughs) I would like to hope we are beyond where people don't think dance and cheerleading are not sports. Has anyone not seen these movies where they have to learn how to do flips in the air? Yeah. Uh, Cheer on Netflix. Addicted. Seriously. Binged it in like a day. Yeah. But um, yeah, so those movies, I I was just watching one. I forget what it was called, but it brought in Bollywood dancing and and dancing from India. And uh immediately, again, the acting. Terrible. Okay. It's not going to win any Oscars anytime <laughs> soon. <laughs> but that's not what you watch those for. You watch them for the cheesy storylines, the impossible plots that would never actually work out, and the fantastic dancing that yes. I probably will never be able to do because I'd probably throw my hip out if I tried to do that now. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, so I love all of those things and um, music. I, that's why I said a non-recovering music addict because that is one thing I never want to stop doing. And people ask me all the time, especially in the online dating scene, these days, you know, what are you into? What kind of music do you like? And literally, I'm like, I don't know. What's my mood? Because that's where it goes. Yeah. I There's so many times one thing that I love about Spotify. Not an ad. Hashtag not an ad. <laughs> Hashtag, but please sponsor us, Spotify. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, is the ability to discover new artists that mm-hmm. you weren't even looking for. You know, you start off with, I love the mood genres on Spotify. Yes. And so it's introduced me to so many new artists that like it just catches my my ear. Because I listen with my eyes. Um, with my It catches my ear. And I'm like, oh. And then I just get obsessed with that artist for a while right. and anything like it. And it's just, I don't know. That, that's where I am. So I'm addic- hopelessly addicted to music. Maybe. There you go. We'll switch it <laughs> yeah. up. We have a couple friends who we've been, you know, we're really into the metaphysical realm. And so we'll be on Spotify them more than myself for sure and they'll find these you know playlists that are for a certain type of mood or new moon playlists or if you want to channel this or for this chakra and, and I think people you know those are sound so silly but when you go and listen to these playlists that people have curated you find these artists and you're like oh my gosh that's amazing and I would have probably never found that artist yeah. if I had not been sent that playlist yeah. And then, you know, just hitting like and then it hit, you can just hit your list of likes and it's like, oh, yes, I was in this mood that day. And it like takes you right back, you know, and, mm-hmm. and that's what music does for me. Sometimes it's a curse that it does that, you know, sometimes a lot of times it's a blessing, um, but it takes me right back. It's, certain songs can take me right back. such so nostalgic. They can take me right back to a time and a place or a feeling yeah. uh, good, bad, sometimes indifferent. You know what I mean? But um, but yeah, so love all things music. 
And I think just all of that rounded into what I said. Um, I just, uh, with life, am a, a recent learner, discoverer of the fact that we are, I know we always say like people's flaws are what make them human and that, um, you know, it can be beautiful and you can be broken, but there's a beauty in that and a grace and a resilience that comes from that. But to me, it was that that's everyone's foundation. That is our human mm-hmm. or our common quality, you know, our um, denominator. That's the word I was looking for. Math was not my strong suit. <laughs> Mine either. I took one math class in my six years of college. Never again. Yeah, I think I had the bare minimum as well. Um, but that's our common denominator. And through that, we all find strength. But it's hard for us to find that common denominator because it's so hard to be vulnerable. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of where my personal journey, I mean, there's definitely things along my childhood that have contributed to that that lesson as well. But mainly in adulthood and going through my own divorce um, really just brought that into perspective. But once that light bulb kind of flicked on for me, it did so much for my personal healing and just discovery as well as for my job professionally and, and what I get to do every day. So, um, and it's also helped me take a step back and just be mindful of that. And I think it's, so I was having this really good conversation. I went to go see a friend in Baltimore last weekend and we started talking about that and we were talking about like BLM and like all these things mm-hmm. going on. Cause we were able to go to BL, BLM Plaza in DC and it was just such an amazing experience. And I just, I sat there for a second and I said, you know, we talk about these great times of not judging others and, you know, meeting people where they are. And I was like, but it is so much easier to expect grace to be given to you than it is to give it to somebody else. Yes. And I was like, that's got to, that's got to change. We've got to get to a point where we we remember that as flawed and imperfect and all the emotions that we experience, other people experience those too. So, um, and and it's tough, but I was just like, man good conversations. (laughs) Yeah. Right. You know, you makes me think about what I find myself saying to a handfuls of my clients. I work with many young people and people of all ages experience this, but handfuls of young adult, particularly young adult women who do not give themselves any grace and they extend grace to other people indefinitely. And then they'll come and they'll judge themselves to me, right? I can't believe I did this, or I can't believe so-and-so let me get away with this, or I, who would love me if I did X, Y, or Z. And that idea, right, that we can't seem to give grace evenly mm-hmm. over the the broad spectrum, right? We either give too much of it, too much of it to other people, none to ourselves, or we only want it given to ourselves, and then we don't give it to other people. Yeah, it's it's a lot easier just to you, whatever where you are in that immediate moment of whatever you're doing. That it's a lot easier to, um, yeah, I think just accept it for yourself than to take a step back and remind yourself that you need to extend to that, whether, like you said, to your point, to yourself as well, if that's what you need. And that mm-hmm. is so hard to do sometimes. I think especially a, such a great example of that is moms, yeah. you know, um, not taking that that time or, or giving themselves that that grace. Um, but then just to, I was having conversations with my, with my bonus dad uh, the other day and we were, he Sometimes he'll just pose these political questions to me, and I'm really not a super political person. <laughs> I'm more of a humanity person than a political person. But he uh, he asked me these different questions, and I was just like, "I you got to step outside your box. Like you're asking me this question, hanging you know all this not necessarily judgment, but just I was like from your perspective and what your life is like. You're assuming that everyone's life is like that, 
and he just kind of stopped and he was like, yeah, you're right. Yeah, and he's it, operating from the lens that his perspective is the perspective. Exactly. And and no fault to him because naturally that's what we all do, right? right. We learn from our experiences and that's what we have to go on. Um, but that, you know, and he, but he was just like, yeah, you're right. And he made it, he said something else. And I was like, again, you're going back to, you're just assuming, you know, everybody has this family dynamic or this or that. And I was like, and that's just not the case. I wish yeah. it was, you know, sometimes, but, um, that's just not the case. So people are, are people. <laughs> yeah. And you run into that a lot in your job, which I definitely want you to share a little bit about, you know, for further backstory, Jen and I have met through a local cause that we support. It's a national cause. It's a, should be a humanitarian, you know, thing that everybody should care about. So we actually both co-chair for a local nonprofit here in the community that we've been a part of that works to eradicate, you know, child abuse and neglect in the county that we live in. And, you know, you had found out about them through your job, right? Yeah. Well, it was kind of a double double way that I found out about them. So one of the local wine shops that does several events. Oh my gosh, yes. Yes. For for Save Child, I am um, friends with one of the co-owners. And so I'd known them for years, a couple of years before I moved to Raleigh. And then my office was in very close proximity. Our old office was very in very close proximity to this local wine shop. And um, one arm of the, our firm is that we are, we're quite philanthropic. We want to give back to the community that supports us because we wouldn't be able to operate if people didn't trust us with right. referrals or, you know, whatever to be, especially, I mean, with just what we do and help people with, with family law, we, that's a big thing when you're trusting somebody to help someone through, <sighs> you know, that very transitional time in their life. So anyway, I digress. Um, so our old office used to be very close to this wine shop and, um, I was just looking at different things and I just happened to see this, this, um, I don't even know how my name got on the list of it. Maybe my friends that were so involved because the co-owner of the wine shop, his wife was kind of, she was president of the board at one point. I bet and that's been, what it was. Yeah. I think one of her family members was part of the junior league that started the organization. Mm. And so Anyway, they just kind of mentioned it and mentioned the young ambassador situation. And so I just popped over there and that's the first time that we met and we've been a part of it ever since. Yeah, um, I, that's so funny. I'm so glad you brought that up because that was what, 2016, 15? I can't even 15 remember. 15 or 16, yeah. Yep. And then we met at that local wine shop here in Raleigh and we made blankets. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah, so as Jen mentioned, this organization's name is Safe Child. Please look it up at safechildnc.org. Please check us out. We are work, you know, Jen and I both chair this Young Ambassadors Board, but we both began as members Mm -hmm. and just wanting to support the agency as much as possible. And I started there as an intern and then have just never left. And when Jen and I met, we used to do pre-COVID these events that were blanket making events because there's a child advocacy center and every child who walks through the door gets to leave with a comfort cape, Mm -hmm. which are aka these handmade no-so blankets take really not that long to make. But if you bring in alcohol and a bunch of people talking, it can take a long time. <laughs> yep. <laughs> so I think we only got a couple made that night. But yeah, that was a lot of fun. Yeah, it is. And and my attraction to the organization just outside of the amazing work that they do is prior to what I'm doing now, my um, academic and professional background was in um, criminal justice, specifically at risk youth and juvenile mm-hmm. delinquency. And I used to work at the Juvenile Detention Center in Greenville, North Carolina. I was there for about four and a half years. 
Um, and my grad school work was all about pathways to delinquency and stuff like that. And I have so, so many questions about working there. We that, <laughs> we might need to save that for another day, but my brain is on fire just thinking about that. Yeah, it was never a dull day. I'll say that, but it was um, it was also just so eye opening and and, um, and and rewarding for sure at times, um, and very disheartening for sure at times. Mm-hmm. But through my work there, I j- again, since I studied so much with um, and was able to work with. Tar- you know, the target population, making it sound like, you know, a study, um, looking at the different, what they re- faced in real time, in real life. It wasn't something just in a book. And so many times the family dynamic plays such a huge part oh my God, yeah. in starting down and how sometimes you just start on that. Like it's not even starting down a path. Like you're just born into, yeah, the, you know, the that car is moving and you happen to be born while we're on that path. Yes, exactly. And so seeing that I, it was just safe child was just to me an organization that addresses it not only with immediately what's happening, happening in real time at home, but also the educational piece for the entire family to learn yeah. why this isn't okay how can we educate and support the entire family to move forward? Yeah. Um, and so just seeing what what I had seen on kind of the the back end of that, the the tail end of things for kids in those situations coming into the detention center and how much the family played a part in that. I was like, this is near and dear to my heart. Like this is this mm-hmm. is where I wanna Right. Focus. Yeah. Safe child takes a more preventative, proactive approach, that upstream approach. Mm-hmm. And what you were saying is your background is in the reactivity piece, exactly, right? Yeah. The responding after it's already happened. Yeah. But I, the study piece of it, I, was, I loved theories. I was one of the weird nerds that loved theories. They're fascinating. <laughs> I'm with you. I remember in undergrad, I walked into my first theories class and my professor was like, some of you are going to hate this. But the majority of you are going to hate this class and some of you will actually like it. And I'm like, well, shit. Like, <laughs> Which probably, one am I? Yeah. Um, and I loved it. Absolutely loved it. Like some of the asinine, like old school theories, I'm just like, okay, you know, yeah. I can't even believe that was an actual theory or thought as to why people committed crime. Um, and then fast forward into grad school and it was still one of my favorite classes. And um, my um, I published a paper with one of my professors talking about kind of like the cyclical effect of domestic violence mm-hmm. and how just like that learned behavior theory and every how that affects everything in the family dynamic and how kids are they absorb so much, which actually plays into what I do now with families going through divorce, um, how they observe and witness and just absorb so much, even if they're not in the room w- physically witnessing, yeah. you know, something going on they still learn and pick up on so much. And so that just kind of leads into then that's how they are taught that you handle anger and that's how love is supposed to be. And so where do you step in in that circle? And just just very enlightening. And so that's how getting into family law, which I never thought that I would be doing, and I'm on the marketing side of things. Um, we still, part of what we do aside from just divorce and, and that whole separation process, which I don't say that lightly because it is untangling two lives basically. Um, is we do we still assist um, domestic violence victims and yeah. um, and survivors and and helping them get the resources as well as get the the legal side of things the protective orders to help them get out of those kinds of situations and hopefully get them and their families you know safe so it still plays a part in it um, I've always been interested in that family dynamic and so I guess it kind of came full circle <laughs> it really did you know and you you just mentioned that your office being philanthropic as it is also incorporates these values into its day-to-day job function, right? And what y'all do. So you were just mentioning that y'all also help with 
domestic individuals who are involved in domestic violence situations or interpersonal violence. You know, the shortened terms for that are, you know, like I, I, interpersonal, IPV, why can't I talk today? (laughs) IPV, you know, situations or DV situations. And Mm -hmm. your office, remind me, is almost all female. Yes. Um, it, we have one male in the office, bless his soul. (laughs) Um, he's awesome. He is my buddy. Um, and he, he honestly, I can't imagine not having him there. And he, he takes it all in stride and he, he knows he was like, his wife is an attorney and he, they've got a four or five-year-old daughter. He's like, so I'm just used to being surrounded by strong (laughs) females. He was like, so it's just, and he, he's even said, he was like, however, and he was, I think he was in a frat whenever he was in college. And he was like, this is more of a frat house, like in this office with you females (laughs) than it actually was in the frat in college. And I'm like, well, you know, welcome welcome." to adulthood, (laughs) right? Adult female frat house. Love that. Yeah. So, um, yeah, so it's a, we have fun. Um, but we also, I, I think we, in, in the office, we, truly care for our clients. It's not just another case, but because of that, and because of, of working with, with folks and in, in family law situations that it, it is so heavy all yeah. the time. Um, and so it, it can be very rewarding, especially when you're looking at things involving kids where you get them out of unsafe environments and, and into, um, you know, fit caretakers and things like that. But because it can be so heavy and it is such an emotionally charged area of law, we are also firm believers in keeping ourselves healthy. Yeah. Um, you know, and so when I went through my divorce, it was a struggle to begin with because here I was trying to, um, you know, go to work and be strong for these people that were going through now what I was going through. And so I either wanted to cry with every person on the phone yep, or I wanted to scream, like, get the hell over it. Like, just, you know, like move on. Like you can do this. You know, yeah. if I've got to do this, you can do this. And that was not a healthy place for me to be in. And the partners, uh, we were actually at a marketing conference and we were at a bar over a couple of drinks and they were just like, you need to take the time that you need to take to go see, you know, a therapist. Like we, we tell all of our clients, go see a therapist Mm -hmm. because this is a lot. I don't care how strong you are, how emotionally intelligent you feel that you are. This is a lot to navigate through and you're not alone. Those resources are there for a reason. And so finally, I was like, you know, maybe I should take the advice that we give our clients, you know, (laughs) especially when I feel like I want to scream at the very people, right, that your job, I mean, oh, my gosh, think about that. Your job is to help people navigate divorce. Yet you're just telling me that you were also then going through the very thing I can imagine you hoped you never would have to go through. Yeah, because you had witnessed it. Yeah. And so um, it was it, it was tough, but going to a therapist. So bless all of you, <laughs> all of you therapists. I don't know how you do it and keep your sanity. Um, but it was one We're of the all best. insane. Yeah. <laughs> it's one of the best decisions I made, but it helped me. Um, it was just a, it was a perspective changer, you know, mm-hmm. just being able to go to someone that wasn't somehow, cause my ex and I had been together for a very long time. So for someone that wasn't trying to be like team Jen or team him or Switzerland, you know what I mean? She was literally just there to listen and give me complete outsider strangers perspective. Mm-hmm. Um, and in a way that made sense and made me um, really take a hard look at things as well as validated some of what I was feeling, you know, like, oh man, okay. All right. So I'm not I'm a not... crazy person. Exactly. Like, yeah. Um, so that was, that was awesome. Um, but it, it was, I mean, it was tough. Like it just made me once I kind of got over that hump and started really, I, the fog cleared and I started to, instead of just trying to put on this strong facade for people that I was at work with, um, 
and accepting, you know, really accepting what I was going through and knowing that I was going to be okay, but knowing that I wasn't going to be okay right away. Um, that was a game changer for me because that's when I started letting people in to know mm-hmm. as to what I was going through. We'll talk about vulnerability, right? Yeah. Which is what you talked about at the top of the hour of having to be vulnerable. Yeah. And so knowing that one, that I could feel more of what people were going through and just understand from a, from a whole nother level um, what they were experiencing and how they were probably feeling, even though every person's situation is unique and specific to their um, experience. But just those underlying feelings and and the the questions of like, no, you're not crazy. Like, <laughs> you know, you were married to this person. And the fact that one day you wake up and you feel like you can barely get out of bed. And then the next day you wake up and you're like, okay, I showered today. I'm mm-hmm. feeling good. You know, like That's today feels better. Or and then but then two days later, you might feel like you've taken a couple of steps back and you're like, God, I still can't believe this is happening. Um, and that, that was ga- a game changer for me. And once I started letting people in a little bit, it's not like I'd get someone on the phone that was interested in services and I'd be like, well, let me tell you about my situation. <laughs> that was not the case. Um, but just being able to say, I get it. If, if it made sense, it's not like I interject that into every conversation by any means, but if it made sense, like if mm-hmm. somebody, I can tell somebody needs that little bit of support from someone who might understand, like it gets better. Um, and I just the more that started to happen, even with my support system and my family and friends, the stronger I started to feel um, because I felt like I was getting more support and was able to be a better support for other people. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it just kind of continued to grow from there. Um, not to say that there were not some <laughs> yeah. some dark times and experiences that um, I think with, you know, getting started with all of this, that one of the the lowest points was I had gone to a concert with my brother and sister-in-law and my ex at the time we were separated, but he was now dating the female oh my gosh. that he had. During that first year? Oh, yeah. Oh this my was, gosh. We had to be at a wedding together about four months oh. after we separated. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. So for those who might be listening outside of North Carolina, I want Jen to uh, correct me on anything that I might say because Jen's going to be the expert here, but we live in a state that you have to be physically separated, which means living in two different locations for a year. Mm-hmm. And then the, the day that, let's say that happens on August 27th, like you go and report that, right? Like, okay, as of this day, we're living separate, right? And then you have to wait a year from that day to completely divorce. Yeah. So there's not really, and, and I have to be careful here because I'm not an attorney, so I can't provide Correct. like legal advice or really talk to in depth about um, disclaimer the elements we of are the law. not attorneys. yeah exactly um but we actually just we we've we have lots of stuff on our website and stuff about this as well so yes in north carolina and every state can be different right some are three months some are six months some are really no time at all tomorrow but in north carolina you have to be physically separated for a year uh, we say a year and a day before you can file because you have to be like the conclusion of that 365th day so on right. that 366th day you can go file at the courthouse if it's not a Saturday or Sunday. Right. <laughs> um, but there's no, there's nothing. Let, Susan, let's say you and I were married and we yes. decided to separate. Okay. Sad day. We yeah, we would not, there's nothing that we have to put in writing and like file with the courthouse okay. at that time saying, okay, we are now separated. When it comes into play is if one person doesn't agree with the date of separation. Oh, gotcha. You know, and, and sometimes that can come into play with how property is being divided and, you know, assets and debts and insurance, people on insurance policies and things like that. But otherwise, if you have a separation agreement, which we obviously highly recommend, um, the date will be 
just, you know, laid out okay. in that contract. Okay. Um, so for you, y'all had been physically separated for four months and we can honestly, I feel like we do not have to talk about this, but the question popped into my mind of if you felt like you were in a safe space to be vulnerable today to talk about what led you to that place where the yeah. two of you even were needing to separate. And then, I mean, please, again, you share what you'd like to share. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Um, I, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm an open book. I'm at 100% at a place that I can talk about all of it because in my mind, if, um, you know, exposing these nerves, especially now that I'm at a place that it's a good spot for, if it helps anybody else that they can say, oh, me too. That's exactly mm-hmm. how I feel. Um, and knowing that all the clients that we work out, work with on a day in and day out basis, like they come to us in, in a pretty rough, dark time, yeah. but not one person hasn't been better on the other side of things. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. Um, so yeah, so leading up to our, our separation, um, being completely honest, I was blindsided. Oh. I, uh, we had been, we'd pretty much grown up together. I was a couple years older than he was and we had grown up together. And at that time, of course, though, it was very like younger brother situation since I was a little bit older. And then, uh, I went to college up at app, go Mountaineers. Ooh. And, uh, he, uh, but we were always at like family cookouts and things like that. He was around a lot. Absolutely. Cause our parents worked together. Oh, wow. And so when I moved to Greenville for my first big girl job, as I call it at the detention center, he was in Greenville, um, at ECU. And then I, I, we saw each other at a family cookout and it was actually Labor Day weekend, I think. And I was like, Hey, we're both in Greenville. Like we used to hang out all the time. Why don't yeah. we, I'm sure you want to stop. He was an RA. So I was like, I'm sure you really want to stop eating campus food or, you know, whatever. And I was like, I'm happy if you want to come over, we can just catch up. So he came over to my apartment and that night we were both kind of like, Hmm, something's different here. You know, like we're grown. I was like, he's grown up. He's got some muscles Ooh. now. Like what's happening here? <laughs> Um, and so I, I don't know, we just kind of acted on that. And next thing we knew we were, and we were both actually dating other people at the time oh, wow. that we had been dating for a couple of years. And so we recognized that we were like, regardless of what happens with us, we need to end these other relationships because yeah. if we're feeling this kind of way, obviously there's something missing. So, uh, all of that happened. We started dating. We were together for seven years before we got engaged. Wow. So, um, I finished grad school. He finished grad school. We moved to Raleigh. And neither one of us were in, we weren't one of those like, oh my gosh, I love you. We've got to get married right away kind of thing. You know, Mm -hmm. we knew we were headed down that path, but that, and you know, he was my best friend, but that we wanted, we didn't want to get married just for the sake of getting married. Right. The fairy tale of whatever. So uh, we moved to, yeah, to Raleigh and then a couple years in, um, we got engaged. It was wonderful. And the wedding was, was beautiful. And it's, it's a, and I will say this with that, you know, looking back now, I still wouldn't, wouldn't trade any of that Mm -hmm. for the world. Um, I will never have all of those same people that loved us in a room together like that again. And we had a blast. Wow. That's awesome. (laughs) A blast. Um, so much fun. So anyway, fast forward, we were only married for two years, um, but together for about 10 total. And I think I think it was a kind of a compilation of things. Um, I can't speak to everything that he was going through. Obviously, sure. all I can see is what what little bit I saw from my perspective. But I think um, he's a very smart individual, and he's always wanted to make his parents proud. And 
check off the box, like mm-hmm. what's expected, what's the what's the next step. And so part of that, even though I never questioned if he loved me or if we were best friends and stuff like that, I think it got to a point that we had finished school and we're in careers. And so it was like, okay, well, I kind of don't see life without her. So I guess this is my alternative. My next thing is to get married. Exactly. Yeah. And um, I think with that too, he started after he was a few years into his career, he started to kind of question everything. He was kind of having an early life crisis is what it looked like to me. A quarter life crisis. Yeah. Of, you know, and did I choose the right career? We had bought this house in Wake Forest that was more house than the two of us needed, but we figured we'd be there for a while. So right. we didn't know if kids would ever come into play, but whatever. And he started was questioning the house and he was questioning you know, being in, you know, the Wake Forest and Raleigh area, like start questioning all of these things. And so I think um, in that there were things that he wasn't happy with in our relationship, which to be is to be expected. Right. Uh, but instead of talking to me about it, he sought outside sources for either someone to talk about, which I think is one of the biggest issues. Like if you're talking about legitimate issues or unhappiness in your relationship, you need to talk to the person you're in a relationship with about it. Yeah. Not people at work. Right. Not, I mean, everybody's going to go to their friends and bitch about their significant other at totally. some point. Like, oh my gosh, if he leaves the dishes in the sink one, one more time. time. <laughs> um, and that's completely normal, right? But if it's a legit, like, inside foundational right. issue, you're not going to be able to fix it with anybody but that person. Right. And I think what happens is that when people go to these outside sources, or, or go talk to a therapist about it, cool, too. Um, but if you start going to coworkers, let's say, of the opposite sex, those are boundaries that are being lifted yeah. and that opens doors for Well, you're getting vulnerable with someone, yes, right? Yes. And that's how you start to establish connections with people. And yeah. so I think that's kind of what started to happen. Again, this is all just from my perspective. Sure. And what I see happen at work all the time. <laughs> Very true. <laughs> um, and so there was a particular coworker that I had met before. And um, I think he started to confide in her on a deeper level of whatever was going on, right. but wasn't talking to me about it. Mm. And um, not to say that I was perfect. Nobody's perfect in a relationship. And I've learned things about myself as far as being a better active listener and being more like just openly supportive. I'm very much a logical thinker. So like if you tell me you want to do something, I start thinking about how to make it happen. Right. I think he wanted to daydream a little bit more. He used to call me the dream sniper, <laughs> which I used to, we used to joke about, but I think maybe he was a little more serious than I realized. Yeah. But, um, so I 100% had my faults. Sure. And, um, no, you are perfect and amazing. And <laughs> don't you put that on me. I don't want to be perfect. No. <laughs> um, but so I think that those boundaries started to get crossed and I think it evolved into something else, whether physical or not. Yeah. There was still some boundaries crossed there. And I mean, even, I just have, it was coming up on our two year anniversary and I was just checking like bank accounts like normal. And I saw a particular check that had been written and it was for a pretty decent amount of money. And I was like, wonder what this is. Also, who writes checks anymore? <laughs> what year is it? Um, and I'm clearly a little more hypersensitive to things like that because of family law as well. And we had always been very open and communicative about finances, which. Wow. Just words of the wise out there do that. The number one issue that trickles into other issues for money. divorce is money and finances. So money, talk honey. about that shit. Um, but anyway, so I, I saw the check that had been written and I was like, okay, I'm not going to freak out because it's also super close to our anniversary. So maybe he's planning something <laughs> very sweet and grandiose. Maybe. Maybe. 
but my gut was telling me otherwise. Mm-hmm. So um, then, and at you know at the time, like our Gmail calendars were synced because his his work schedule was not set. Like it was kind of it, it varied, and so that was just the easiest way for us to be aware. And um, so sometimes our our emails would get mixed up too. Oh, anyway, so I saw this email come through about a bank account that had been opened. Oh no! And I was like, well, we used to have a bank account there that we used for like wedding funds for when we were planning the wedding. I was like, but we closed it afterwards. And all the other accounts, we had become joint on each other's, like, separate accounts. And so I was like, hmm. So I reached out to him, just texted him. I was like, hey, I just got an email about this bank account. Did you open this? And he was like, oh, yeah, but it was for, I'm going to just put money away for trucks. Him and his dad used to live. He had, like, an old truck that he was fixing up. Yeah. And I was like, seems weird that, like, you wouldn't have, like, told me about it, you know? Mm -hmm. So just, I'm telling you, trust your gut feelings, ladies and gentlemen. Trust them. (laughs) (laughs) And so I was like, all right, well, I'm at work. I'm not going to. Whatever. So then I start doing a little digging. I've learned a few tricks of the trade over the years in family law and found some things. I've looked at the name that, like, the check was made out to. And this is going to make me sound like a little creepy stalker person. (laughs) No. But you can do these things. And my therapist told me I wasn't crazy. I was his wife. (laughs) Yeah. Right? So different boundaries. Yeah. So um, anyway, I start looking into all of this. And I still didn't get any clear answers. But I was like, this is something's just not sitting right. So um, finally, I went, I went home that night and I asked him about it. And as soon as I said, you know, so who is so-and-so that you made this check out to? And he just hung his head. And I was like, that's not good. Right. We don't <laughs> hang our heads over trucks. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, yeah. And then he kind of just started telling me that it was a deposit he had put down on a place to move out. Holy crap. And I... I, it's one of those, you know, like in movies and TV shows, like you have the moments where people are listening, but then they just kind of like phase out because they're trying to take in yeah. what they just heard. That shit actually happens. Like, yeah. You checked out of your body and you're like, wait a second. Yes. And it was so hard for me to even like, he just kept on talking about what was going on, but I knew what all of this was meaning and I was so blindsided. Yeah. I mean, and we had, I will backtrack a little bit in that we had gone to, I didn't know what he was going through. And so I was like, Maybe we should go see a therapist. Are you open to go seeing a therapist? And he was like, yeah, we, we should do something. But I think once we got to that point, he already had like one foot out, out the, the door. door. Like he was so committed, like I've got to do this for me kind of thing. And so we'd go to the therapist's office and some of it was around um, intimacy, things that I didn't know, but he didn't tell me. And I'm like, I can't know if you not read tell your mind. Me. Exactly. Yeah. And he just had it made up in his mind how I was going to react to things or talk. About. And I was like, when have I ever been that irrational kind of yell and scream kind of person. I mean, never. And maybe I should do more of that. You know, like I started thinking about these things. Maybe I should let emotions out on a more natural level or raw level, you know? So anyway, we did that for a little while, but we'd sit in the therapist room and he would talk and things would be great. But from my experience, the work happens when you leave that therapist. Oh, yes. One hour a week is nothing compared to what you do at home. Exactly. And he would never bring it up or talk anything else about what we had talked about in the therapist's office. And I'm like, I get it. That's a safe space. But I'm here to work. Like, I was reading all of the books. Like, I was, you know, five love languages, read that shit like it was going out of style, you know, just all these different things. And he wasn't doing any of that. And I, you know, so I felt like I was beating my head up against the wall, like trying to do whatever I could to save my marriage. And he just wasn't having any of it. So then fast forward to, I guess it wasn't at that point, I didn't know that I was fighting to save my marriage. Yeah. At you that didn't point, even realize I was, that was on the table. Yeah. I was just like, we're working through a tough patch. Like, right. Granted, we've only only been married for two years, but I mean, we've been together for long enough and we're adults. Like we have real life shit going on. So 
we're just hitting one of those spots and we're gonna move through it. Right. So anyway, um, then fast forward to all of that and me finding out about that, me asking about him about that check and everything and him telling me that. And my first question, of course, was, is there somebody else? Yeah. Because my dad cheated on my mom. And so he kind of knew that that was my Achilles heel. You know, like I'm willing to work through anything, but if you betray my trust like that, not going to speak in absolutes, but there's a high chance, you know, of, of not being able to move past that. So he was like, no, 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 no. I, you know, I just, I've never really been on my own. He's always been like a relationship guy. So he was like, I just feel like maybe I need space and it'll rekindle things and whatever. And I'm like, he still just seemed so motivated. He was like, my next day off, I'm going to move out. I was like, and mind you, this coming up weekend or at that time was my stepdad's 50th birthday celebration in Savannah. And I was like, what am I supposed to tell my family? He was like, I don't know. Just tell them that I have to work. I was like, first of all, my family's not stupid. They know what you do for a living. Right. Um, second of all, I'm not about to go down here for my stepdad's wonderful birthday celebration and try to hide my feelings because that's just not me. And two, turn it around to make it about me. That's the last thing I want to do. And if I go down there in this current state knowing what's happening at home, I'm not going to do that. Right. So I was like, also, you don't get out that easy. Like, <laughs> Yeah, oh my God, you need to own up for what's happening. Yeah. So he sucked it up and we went down to Savannah and we actually had a, an amazing weekend. You would have never known anything wow. was wrong. And so in my mind, I was like, oh, this is a great sign. So on the drive back, I was like, don't suppose this changed your mind. And he was like, no, I need to follow my gut. Like, this is what I feel like I need to do. So I basically just went to my parents' house because I was like, I can't be here knowing that later this week I'm going to come home from work and like all your shit's just going to be gone. So I went to my parents' house. And about two weeks later, it was actually on Thanksgiving Day. Shut up. <laughs> yeah. I, um, he was still, we were still like texting and stuff, but our phone records were, you know, linked. And I saw that he was texting this one number just incessantly. No. And I recognized the number from when I was first doing some digging back when I originally saw that check. But I didn't know who it was, you know. And on, um, so on Thanksgiving Day, I saw that, that that number was just getting texted. There were texts going back and forth, back and forth. And I was like, what the hell? So um, my wonderful coworkers um, placed a call to that number to <gasps> see and found out that it was a female. Oh. And um, what the name was on the voicemail. And then I searched, since our Gmail stuff was linked, I searched contacts in my phone. And the name came up, but it was a nickname. Mm. And I was like, I proceeded. And I do not, I'm not advocating for this <laughs> coping mechanism, <laughs> but I proceeded to pop a Xanax and drink some champagne. So <laughs> yes, we therapeutically, clinically cannot recommend doing that. We get it. Yeah. Just kick this mic. We get it. Right. I can imagine so many people are listening like, yes, girl. Yes. yes. That, that, that was. Please don't do that or attempt to drive a vehicle afterwards. Oh, no, absolutely not. <laughs> Um, I, thankfully I was at my parents' house and, you know, so not the healthiest way, but I just, my mind was it. racing. I, I was racing. Cause I also didn't want to confront him yet because technically we were separated, but we were going through discernment counseling. What he'd been leading you on. Yeah. So I was like, not somebody else, huh? Like she just didn't pop out of the woodwork. You know what I mean? And then, uh, also, so he moved out that Saturday. I came back to our marital residence and I don't think I was prepared. For that, like I knew I wanted to experience it by myself because I didn't know how I was going to react. But he was moving his stuff out with the pretense that we were still going to be working on things. When I got to that house, I immediately realized he moved out with no intention. no intention of ever coming back, and it hit me like a ton of bricks. And I just 
I remember laying on my bed and basically wailing. Like when I walked into our closet and just his whole side was empty, it was just like a punch in the gut. I just like, I remember falling on my bed and just wailing for about 10 minutes. And then I was like, all right, well now what? You know, yeah. <laughs> like I let it out. And then, so I called a couple of my girlfriends. They came over with pizza and more libations. And um, anyway, long story short, we found out like that he was that same weekend. So two days after he moved out was at this other person's house as well. So, you know, I'm not stupid. Most people aren't. The truth always comes out. I will yeah. say that like if, if anybody listening, if you are going through that and you have suspicions or you even have hard evidence, the truth always comes out. Right. It will always come out. So um, I confronted him about it in a very calm Good manner. Good for you. And no slashing of tires? Nope. Right. No matter how bad I wanted to. <laughs> Because also following gut and intuition, like I just, without going into all the details, like I was able to not see them together necessarily in, in a way. Anyway, it doesn't matter. Um, I knew, I and and I had proof, and um, it tore me up, tore me up. And so I I confronted him about it. And at the time, like I loved him to the core of my being, and I was like, okay, Jen, you always said that this would be the complete deal breaker for you, but Turns you're out willing, it might not be. Yeah, you're willing to go to therapy and to work through whatever you're willing to, you know, whatever you got to work through because you said I do and you meant it and this is your person. Or so I thought. So when I confronted him about it, of course, he denied it to begin with. And then finally I was like, I was like, just stop. Like, just, just stop. You know what I mean? Like, you've already moved out. Just stop and be honest. I still don't think he was honest to the fullest extent. But I was I, at that point, I said, listen. I'm still willing to work on this, but you need to do some soul searching because we were already having some things we were obviously trying to deal with and work through. And now there's a whole nother level of complexity mm-hmm. to this and it's going to be hard and it's, it's, yeah, it's, it's just going to be really difficult. And so you have to decide whether you are willing to put the work in because I am, but I can't do it by myself. No. And I think at that point, he knew that that would be the one thing. Part of me, you know, these are questions I'll never have answers to. And I think that's also one of the hardest things sometimes about either breakups or divorces is that there's questions you're not going to get answers to. Um, I don't know. Some people have like, well, do you think he just wanted a way out? Like he loved you as a person and respected you as a friend, but wasn't, you know, like, quote unquote, in love with you for like the long haul for marriage. And I was like, that could have been the case. I will never know. If it was, it's still a really shitty way about going Absolutely. about getting out. You know? Absolutely. That doesn't excuse the behavior, right? And then we could say, well, maybe he didn't know, right? Because sometimes the answers come later mm-hmm. when you go to therapy or do some soul searching and then you realize why it is you did what you did. Yeah. But that's not an excuse for someone to treat someone else like crap. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I mean, at that point, and he was like, you're right. I just need to focus on what we're dealing with here. I'm going to stop talking to her, blah, blah, blah. I'm like. All right, cool. Because at that point, even though I was hurt and devastated and didn't want that to be my reality, I was also hanging by, hanging on to any thread that I could mm-hmm. to to keep us together. And so I was like, okay, cool. Like, I just caught you in a lie, but for whatever reason, I'm going to believe you. <laughs> but of course, that wasn't the case. They were still talking and it only escalated as, you know, with their conversations and stuff. And so I was able to see this again. The stuff you can find out when your Gmail accounts are linked is just <laughs> creepy. I'm just going to go ahead and throw that out there. So just be 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 cognizant of that. If or just you're... don't be so dumb, right? Yeah. I mean, we don't we don't encourage nor approve of infidelity whatsoever here. But yes. come on, yeah. Well, even one of our closest friends said that he was like, "Listen, 
I he was like, I, I don't agree with with what that what has happened or what he's done. He was like, but he has got to be one of the stupidest people. <laughs> Seriously, right? You're like, dude, what are you doing? But yeah. So anyway, at that point, then I was like, at that that was what cut it off for me, you know. And so, yeah. Fast forward now to three, going on four years later, oh. and uh, they are now married and have a child together. Shut up. Yep. Nope. And it is what it is. I'm like, I, I honestly, for her sake. And now their child's sake. Yeah. And the child that she had prior to them getting married. Like, I really hope that he's learned he's done something. I don't know if he has. We haven't talked. I don't know. But I, for that, for them, for their sake, I do. Right. And so now I find myself in a place of that I've, I feel like I've done a lot of work for myself. Um, and it's been exhausting at times, but it's also been so empowering and just mind expanding. But now I'm at a place where I'm like, okay, now I just want to live. I feel like I've done all of these, like, Getting into all of the quotes. I, I'm a quote junkie. <laughs> oh, good. You'll be able to answer the, our final question of the day. Oh, God. Yeah. I did not come from it. Don't ask me to say one because I don't know. <laughs> um, but yeah, I uh, just all of those motiva- motiv- motivational things and reading books and take the, taking the time. I mean, I feel like when you're going through any sort of grieving process, no matter what the catalyst for the grieving is, you... Do the most work whenever you are by yourself, not numbing out on TV. You know, those quiet moments of the night by yourself, that is where the transformation happens, whatever that transformation looks like. And that's hard. That's really fucking hard to do. Yeah, people don't like being by themselves Yeah, at first. And and it is not a seamless, completely one, you know, path that you're on forward. Just the other, like I said, we've been divorced for almost four years. And few weeks ago, maybe a month ago, I had a dream. And I'm going to say this dream, and it's really weird, and maybe it'll make some people laugh. But I love dreams. I, Bring them on. <laughs> I, in this dream, me and my ex were together, and we were very happy. And he was like, I think we should have a kid together. And I was like, okay. And he said, I'll even be the one to be pregnant and deliver the baby. <laughs> All right. Well, we now we know this is a very futuristic dream. <laughs> yes. Maybe one day, ladies. Maybe one day. Um, and next thing, you know, dreams are like flashy, you yeah. know. And so then the next bit, like he's delivering this child oh and whatever. It was very weird and whatever. And the next morning I woke up and I just felt kind of funky. Like I was in a funk and I didn't know. I couldn't put a label on it. And then I got to thinking about it and not that I, I don't miss him yeah. and I don't like wish we were still together or anything like that. But I think that I, in that dream, you know, sometimes dreams can be so emotionally real and vivid. And in that dream, that's what I remembered most from it was that feeling of, of just happiness and that partnership that we once had. And so then it was like, when I woke up, it was that reality of like, just that tsunami of, of grief that hit me of like, well, that's not the reality and not that I'm hoping for that reality, but it made me just kind of feel all of those things and those feelings and reminded of how much has changed. And so I couldn't explain for a while. Like I just sat there. I was like, why am I feeling this way? Like, I feel like I'm on the verge of tears. I'm trying to work here. Like what is happening? And then it just kind of clicked. And I started talking, I'm very close with my brother. And we just started talking about it. And then I started crying and just couldn't stop. And he was like, you just got to ride that wave you just talked about. And by two o'clock that afternoon, I was fine. Yeah. You know, but that's, I think that's the thing about healing and grief. And it's not linear. No, it is not. You got to take it as it comes Mm -hmm. and, and, and deal with it. I mean, there was one night I was so upset, like was literally on the, I just fell to the floor crying and I was like, I've got to let, let this out somehow. And I've never been a violent kind of person, but I found something breakable that was tied to 
my ex and I just went out in the garage and I just smashed it. And then I laughed and it felt great. (laughs) (laughs) That maniacal, like evil laugh. Because I think I had just tried to be such a logical, like two sides to every story, understanding where we were both coming from, where he was coming from, how he was probably feeling. And I was like, no, I just need to let this out. Yeah, well, you needed to validate how you were feeling, yeah. right? Instead of playing this, I can imagine anyone here who has had a similar experience or is emotionally, I'm going to say this very lightly. I'm not, I hope no one is taking this offensively, but intelligent enough to toggle both lines, right? So when you constantly are trying to look at things from other people's perspective and you have that awareness, so therapists are really guilty of this, right? That we know all the ins and outs and tricks. I mean, we talk about it in therapy and then we go live our own lives. And so- well, we sometimes struggle to be mad at people, right? Because that's yeah. the natural reaction is to be mad. But then that logical therapeutic side of me is like, oh, well, they probably did this. And like, you know, this is going on and X, Y, Z. And I'm like, shut up. Yeah. Shut up. I, I just want to be mad. Their feelings. Yeah. Right. <laughs> I don't be sad or mad or whatever it is. Like I just, you know, it is, but it is, it's hard. And so I've tried to embrace, but it is still a struggle for me yeah. just to embrace that, whatever that feeling is. Um, and to know that it's okay. Like if I want to, if I just have a day where I needed to talk shit about him because that was a terrible time in my life, then I just need to talk shit. And that was a part of it too. I think with, with breakups or divorces is like whenever you've got mutual friends, like there's a transition that happens in that too, because we, we had a very close group of, there were eight of us, you know, so four couples all very close. We were like all in each other's weddings and all that kind of stuff. And they had to figure this out too. It was new for them. Like, how are we going to figure out Mm -hmm. the Jen and Justin now, you know? And it also just became very weird because he was immediately in another relationship. Yeah. And now I was a dislocated bone from the marriage body. You know what I mean? I was not, not only was I not married anymore, but I was not in any sort of relationship. And all of my friends now were in committed relationships. So it's just, it's a different shift. And that, that took me to begin with. I was very worried about losing those friends because I had become very close to them. One of them was my maid of honor. I was her maid of honor, but we're, time has you know, taking its course and we're still, I mean, she's still one of my best friends. Um, but at that time, like I was questioning everything because mm-hmm. my life had just blown up, you know, as for what I knew it. And then I finally got to a point. So all I wanted to do was like spend all of my free time with them to still reassure myself that I was friends with them. Yep, independently and hold on of to him. it. Yes. Then I got to a place of, whoa, Jen, this is kind of opening a wound every time you're around them. And, you know, you meet different people in your life that serve a purpose at that time. And that's actually, I mean, that's absolutely what happened. I met a friend through another friend who we've become very close and she's been single for years and, um, you know, same age and stuff. And so we just hit it off and that was exactly what I needed, Mm -hmm. you know, and now I can be around my other friends and it's still a little different, but I love them wholeheartedly and it's not you know, trying to peel back a scar every time we hang out. I'm not right. like, oh my gosh, what is he doing now? How is he? What, you know, what's he up to these days? Yeah. Um, Cause that's not fair to them either. Like, you know, they were kind of, we didn't have kids together, but they're kind of like the kids in our divorce. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, but you know, but now it, it, it's, it's great. It's, but I love looking at all of that and the way that what I do professionally with people and, and our legal teams do. That's why I love the concept of, the, and the name of your podcast. Like I've been better because for the longest time, I didn't want people to know what I was going through. So it was that facade of, oh, Jen, how are you? I'm fine. Meanwhile, inside, I'm like... Losing your mind. Exactly. And so I remember there was one day I was a networking thing and somebody that, you know, have known for a while, they were like, hey, how are you? And I was like, well, I'm going through a divorce. So well, how do you think I am? <laughs> they were like... Fill in the blank. Are you kidding me? I was like, yeah, like a year ago. They were like, holy shit, you would never know. They were like, you look so put together. And I'm like, no. Glad that's the look I'm portraying because right? well, that then, is not what's happening. Right. Well, then my follow up question goes: What am I supposed to look like if I'm going through a divorce? 
Yeah. Does that have an image that I'm supposed to be portraying? Right. The bitter ex-wife, yeah. the one who X, Y, or Z, like what? If, how would I supposedly tell you via how I look yeah. that this is happening in my life? I mean, I did lose, I call it the divorce diet. I did lose like 20 pounds, probably from just, you know, some, some stress. anxiety, stress, yeah. a little bit of depression mixed in there, you know, yep. just a cocktail of, of an emotional diet. <laughs> um, <laughs> Living off of feelings and sad movies. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. So, but that, I mean, that's a great point. Like you just, you never know. It's going back to that giving people grace, you know, that you never know what someone's going through. And it's very likely that their answer should, instead of I'm fine, be, well, I've been better. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> How are you today? You mentioned at the top of the hour that you're a happy person and I would absolutely echo that. So how are you today? I'm great. You know, there's still days that uh, I think, you know, we all kind of just innately as human beings, we like that companionship and that person. Yeah. Um, Shout out. I am single. So um. (laughs) we'll definitely link Jen's Instagram. (laughs) No, but, um, but now it's, there are things they, they always say they, the, the, infamous they whenever you're going through a divorce um that or, or anything hard i think and you know that um again just go, i just i call it all grief because grief just looks so oh different gosh, yeah. for different things uh that as you're going through that then you um you look back and you understand why or you know all those kind of things and i used to always say well everything happens for a reason <laughs> now i've kind of changed that i don't think that everything happens for a reason i think that we find the reason in everything so we look back and we say oh well, you know what i wouldn't have been able to do this or i wouldn't have learned mm-hmm. this or whatever had that thing not happened right and so i've been able to do some great some just like superficial like traveling kind of stuff um and otherwise get more involved in where I lie, like with, you know, nonprofit involvement and the community and where I see myself and my job, because it, it makes you take a focus on that. If you're kind of starting over, you're like, okay, well, let's look in the mirror, you know, yeah. like, what do I Michael want Jackson's my life to look in the like? Mirror is like a legit song. Okay. <laughs> it really is. Listen to it, right? That now that you have you to focus on, what do you want your life to look like? Exactly. And I, it's, I think it's also been it's been interesting to see those around me because some of my family and friends who, you know, again, who are mostly, you know, married or in committed relationships, they look at me sometimes, I think, with sympathy, like, oh, well, there's Jen being the fifth wheel again. And it's not intentional and I don't have any ill will around them, but I'm like, I'm good. Like, I'm at the point now that I learned through all of this what I do and don't need out of a partner, um, what my price of admission is, like, what am I willing to look past, be okay with, what am I not? Kind of I love thing. that price of admission. Yeah, and um, now I'm really at the point to I really enjoy my time, whatever that looks like, whether it's with family, friends, by myself, binging a TV show, shamelessly watching a dance movie, whatever it is. <laughs> that I people in my life, family, friends, coworkers, colleagues, whatever, it's going to be an addition to my time or not part of my time. I mean, time is one of the finite things we have on while we're alive on this earth. And so for someone to dedicate time to you and for you to choose to dedicate your time to them, again, whatever that is, whatever relation type of relationship that is, that is priceless. Like that's um, a very finite type of currency that we have. And I think we take it for granted a lot. And so Knowing that I had that time in my past with relationships, I'm a little more cognizant of how that time is spent and learning those things about myself of that, Jen, you, you're you an extroverted social person, 
but you also need time to yourself. Absolutely. Um, so yeah. So I, now are there days? Sure. That I wish I had a plus one. Cool. If there's anybody out there just wants to be an awesome plus one. Let, let me know. <laughs> oh yeah. We've got some, I'll be the, I'll be the plus one. We'll come as a group. We've got people that have been on this podcast before that I know that, you know, that would love to be plus one. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, other times, but so sometimes like, especially like my parents, they're kind of like, oh, well, how's swiping going? How's Bumble oh life? Gosh. You know? And I'm like, oh gosh, that's a whole nother can of worms. But I was like, ah, I haven't really been on there. Like, it's fine. And I think they just, they want me to have that other person. And they, they were so used to that for the longest time. And so, and I'm just like, I don't need that. That doesn't yeah. bring me happiness. Like, don't look to someone else for your happiness. That's something else that I really learned from that is that your happiness has to come from within. Like you can surround yourself with people that highlight that happiness, that bring it out in you more or add to it, but it can't start. And that's, that's a lot of pressure to put on somebody yeah, else. Yeah, put them know? on a pedestal, right? Yeah. So, yeah, so that's why I think it's just all of those things that now I'm like, I'll go to one of my favorite things to do now on a Sunday. And I don't mean to keep on bringing alcohol into this, but we've got a really good brewery scene here in Raleigh. We do. And there's one close to my house that has yoga on every Sunday. And so I love to go up there, do yoga, have a beer and just like read and listen to music while I'm up there. And, you know, just those things I would have never done by myself prior to all of this. So there's a resilience. I think anytime you go through something that causes you to say, I've been better there's a resilience that comes from that. And um, that I will, so I will never be sorry for. I'm grateful for that experience from all of those things. Yeah, that's amazing. I heard you say that you are, of course, watching dance movies always makes you feel better. And doing yoga, it sounds like, and going out and spending time with people that you love and that do add to the joy in your life. What else are you doing to take care of yourself? Um, going to nurseries and buying flowers to make my house Yo. look pretty. <laughs> I don't have a big enough yard for the amount of plants I want in my life. <laughs> well, I see I'm surrounded by several plants right now. Oh, in so this room, like... yeah, there's one, two, three, four, five, <laughs> just sitting right here. Yeah. Uh, otherwise I'm listening to, to what I need. Like if I just need a day to binge, I've been binge watching, um, Zoe's extraordinary <gasps> playlist. No, why have we not talked about this yet? Oh my God. Do you know how many times us sitting here, I've been like, there's a theme from that show that I could be pulling in. Okay. So where are you before I start talking about the show? Oh, I'm completely caught up. I know that there's not a new episode that comes out until I think next Sunday. So stupid. I know. Okay. So (laughs) those of you who have access to Hulu or have cable, you need to watch Zoe's Extraordinary Playlist. It's absolutely incredible. Skylar Aston from Pitch Perfect is on it. So if you like musicals, I'm a big musical fan. So again, back to the Hamilton point we made earlier. Love it. It is Glee mixed with adult themes. Yes, it's Glee, not as cheesy. Correct. I mean, Glee had a lot of issues and and topics that they covered and everything, but um, also it's it's not acapella. Well, I guess it is acapella, but it's 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 current songs. And it's, um, but yes, the premise for those that haven't watched it are, is that this girl, she goes through an MRI and somehow, and she's actually not a music person at all. She's a female living in the coder world and the tech industry. And she goes to this MRI and ends up being able to hear mood songs. She calls them heart songs, but songs of how people are feeling. And she's the only one that can hear them, but they kind of just break out into this random song, sometimes dance. And so, you know, I eat that shit up. And amazing, um, (laughs) amazing. And she gets an insight as to how someone is feeling no matter how they say they're feeling. Right. And so it actually kind of turns into this. She feels like she's going to help people, um, you know, if they're in not so great place and stuff. And so it, and like just the, 
the songs and the musicality of everyone it's and their so voices. Good. And it's also really funny. Like it touches on some really heartfelt. I have not gone but one episode without crying. The two seasons of the show, I have sobbed every single episode. So please be prepared if you have, uh, if you are someone who is very um, in touch with the crying coping skill, such as I am, most things make me cry. Uh, you will cry. It's it's not as I wouldn't say it's like this is us level because this oh, no, is no, us no. definitely like it hits me in the heart every single time. It definitely has its. Mo- I kind of forgot because I actually started watching it with my mom while she was here this weekend too, and because I knew she would really like it. And right away, I mean, when it brings in the first episode, there's a a, a, a big underlining theme is her relationship with her dad in a good way. Yeah, but there's you know definitely some sadness to it. And uh, so my dad, I mean, my mom was like, I think we watched the first two episodes, and she was like, she was like, I know you're gonna make me cry. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, you don't expect it. From yeah, that because, show. but it's so good. And I think also like if you know being a music person as well that so bringing in the music to because they're so right actually since I just started rewatching it with my with my mom one of the characters in there says you know sometimes songs give you the ability to say what you can't vocalize mm-hmm. yourself and that's so true yeah. for anybody that really uses music as as therapy and that's exactly what the show does like just like yeah, yeah I get it like that's exactly so how I was feeling yes. you know yes so it is so 10 out of 10 would recommend Zoe's Extraordinary Playlist yes. you want to use that as your quote for the day sure yeah you're not off the hook yet so yes watching zoe's everyone should definitely watch zoe's there's a common theme you know jen mentioned this idea that grief is not linear and also that you said this great line about you were the dislocated bone from the marriage Mm -hmm. um and there's a theme in this show where there's grief and there's a person who is now having to redefine who they are in the world and how they relate to their friends due to something that happens in the show. And so with the minute you said that, I was like, oh, Zoe's. <laughs> yeah, it's, um, yeah. And that redefining, I feel like that evolves too, right? Mm-hmm. There was also, and I kind of laugh at myself because I love to have those moments of like you're sitting there and just whether you see a quote that really resonates with you or you have a thought or a feeling or whatever. And so the last two years, and I'm sure you've, you may have seen on my social media that I like to do intentions at the mm-hmm. beginning of the year. And so the last two years, I have a good friend who has this place down at um, at one of the beaches here in North Carolina. And he's let him and his wife have let me go stay at this place like between Christmas and New Year's. So it's been a kind of been like my own personal retreat. And this last year, I was able to go for an entire week. So oh, that's awesome. Like working remotely. And so leading into New Year's and it used to be New Year's Eve used to be my favorite holiday. And then it wasn't after my split for a while, a couple of years, it was really tough. And then now um, it's not my favorite again, I think, and that just could be me evolving as a person, but, um, and what it means to me now versus then. And so I'm like, okay, I'm going to be down here. I went and got a bottle of true champagne and I'm like, I'm going to sit on the beach, like toes in the, in the water. Well, kind of cold, but in the sand, at least <laughs> with my dogs drinking this delicious bottle of bubbles and just have this life fulfilling moment. I love that. I was laying in bed at 1159. <laughs> It just got to the point that I was like, Jen, you don't have to. Like, you no. can just chill. It's you can also okay. have it the next day. Exactly. Like, the new year's still there. Yes. And so <laughs> I was like, you don't have to have this life-changing, you know, poetic moment at the strike of midnight just because you're down here by yourself. Like, you wanted to be here. You're happy you're here. Yeah. Go to bed. <laughs> Go to sleep. It's Good okay. Night. Yeah. And then we'll psychoanalyze your dreams the next day. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So it's, um, yeah. So I think that that redefining yourself, don't expect it to be some big aha moment or some musical, you know what I mean? Like it's, it's going to look different and, and that's okay. Like everything is okay. 
Yeah. No matter what that journey is, it's okay. Absolutely. It's always extraordinary playlist. Yoga. <laughs> drinking. <laughs> Healthy <laughs> drinking, not like. <laughs> we're, we're fans of yeah. libations, like yeah. you said. No worries. Help, you know, responsibly. Mm-hmm. Dogs. Yep. What else? Anything? Hmm. Well, I just bought a house back in August. So projects around the house. Yep. Oh, and we said flowers. Yes. Yep. Plants. Um, and I think I, I've been able to reconnect with some people in my life. Like last weekend with my childhood friend, I went to go see. And I think I've gotten closer to her in our adulthood. Uh, we kind of took a break during college, not for any bad reason, just because life. Yeah. And afterwards, we've we've reconnected. Um, and she was literally... Right after we, my ex and I separated. So we separated in November. And then in December, I was like, I just need to get away. I, I need to get out of this house and I just need to get away. And so I just called her and I was like, I'll explain when I get there. But are you free this weekend? Because you're close enough that it's not a big ordeal for me to try to get there. But I just need to get there. And she was like, yeah, yeah, like no questions asked. And so I got up there and I told her. And kind of ever since then, it's just been that's kind of like my go-to place, you know? And, um, but I just loved that having a friend, you know, an adult friend that was like, I love you. I don't know what's going on. I hope everything's okay. We'll figure it out once you get here, but just come, you yeah. know? Um, so thank God for those people. In your right. Life. Having that safe space in a person. Yeah. Uh, and I think, you know, and a lot of us just in the time of COVID, it's kind of made us realize like who's in, in your circle, not to be judgmental or, you know, clicky by any means, but our options got real slim. Yeah. Once shutdown you happened. You had to pick. Yeah. And so it really, and everything with all of the, 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 you know, the social fights going on right now and the political polarization, you, who are these people that you can have these conversations with? Mm-hmm. Uh, who, you know, is it safe for you to go hang out with? Um, turns out one of those people I thought it was safe to go hang out with actually ended up gave me, giving me COVID. But hey, I was like, why not? Like, let's let's just share all the things. If I'm going to get COVID from somebody, it might as well be my best friend. So <laughs> this is true. And they didn't intentionally give you COVID. Exactly. Like. And um, you're OK, which is really good. I'm yes. glad to hear that. Yes. And vaxxed now. Yes. Yep. Living that vaccinated <laughs> life. Um, the triple immune. Yeah. I got all the things. I got the antibodies. <laughs> got the shot. We're good. Um, yeah. But I think so that's just kind of put a microscope on on relationships mm-hmm. and, and who who's in your life because you want them to be there, not because you're expected to have them there. Uh, so it's just been, it's just been really fostering those relationships. My brother and I, we talk literally every day. It's not about anything substantial most days, but, and he lives in Fayetteville, but we send little Marcos and it started after the separation. Bless us. He's one of the most active listeners and Mm. just best sounding boarded people. Uh, and so right after separation, it was kind of him checking in on me every day kind of thing. and it's just carried on now for three, four years. Every single morning that we're working, we send little videos of like, hey, this is what I did yesterday. This is what I got going on today. Have a great day. Very <laughs> and cute. You know, and we've always been close. But I think that experience also, again, just who are the, the important people, the really important people in my life? Not just yeah. having all of these, this exterior circle because it looks good on social media. Right. So um, just so just surrounding myself with with those kind of people has been Awesome. Those are the things I'm doing. <laughs> I love that. I love that. And it sounds like it's working. It's going good. Yeah. 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 Awesome. Do you think of a quote yet? Uh, yeah, actually. Did you? Okay, good. <laughs> As um, I'm trying to still like talk to me in the moment, I'm like, but in the back, I'm like, all right. Thinking, <laughs> the my wheels quote, are turning. Yeah. You know, we had talked about on the Q&A how I love formats of so many podcasts and I mm-hmm. love this idea of how I want to wrap up. And so one of the things that you so graciously already brought up on your own is what you like to live by, right? Quotes or things that you you know, modeled your life after. And so I'd love to hear 
something that comes to mind for you today on a quote that really rings true for you? Yeah. Uh, I think it's 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 a quote that and I cannot even tell you who exactly coined the quote, but shout out to whoever this unknown person is. That And it seems so simple, but it really just helped to change my perspective. And it's, you know, the quote is just stop expecting yourself from someone else. And that has helped me so much in, and it's, it's, it's hard to remember sometimes, but it's helped me so much in work relationships because we all work differently. It's helped me in, you know, any dating that I've done. It's helped me in friendships, family of just, it's very hard because you're, you'd know no one better than yourself, you know? And so I, in doing that, was able to accept the apology I'm never going to get from my ex a while back whenever I I first saw that quote. And it just really hit home with me because I'm Mm -hmm. like, well, I do it this way, or I would have said this, or I would have apologized, or I would have gone out of my way to do this. And it was like, not everybody's you, Jen. You married to yourself? Exactly. Like, (laughs) you can't expect someone to think behave, react, feel anything like you do because they aren't you. Yep. And it would be very boring if everyone was like oh, you. God, you know? yeah. Well, this, this world would not survive if everyone was like me. <laughs> you know, you hit a very tender spot. That's a something I literally was just talking about with my own therapist this week to get vulnerable, right? That exact concept. And it is a growing theme in my therapy world with a lot of my clients is, you know, these expectations that we put on other people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and it, and they don't even know, right? Like here we are just, and I think that's one of the, and this is going to be a whole nother episode of, yes, of, we'll bookmark it. Of, of dating right now too, right? But that's really hard to do of not expecting or having all these boxes to be checked. And my friend, um, again, that I just went and visited, she's been married uh, for 12 years now and she was, me and she had another friend there and we're both in the dating world right now. And she was like, so why, why is it so hard? I was like, because it's become a job interview. And more than that, it's become the let's meet up over a drink or dinner, whatever it is. And let's just put all of our worst shit out there first, because it's like, are we buying real estate or not? Like, I don't have time to waste time. And I think we're losing just that dating fun human. Just let's get to know each other along the way. But let's also have fun and just see what happens. Instead, it's like, I immediately want to know if this is going to work out or not. And so I'm going to tell you all of the worst things about me. And then I'm going to expect you to just deal with it. Exactly. Here you go. Here's my shit and let's just deal with it. And you still have to just do all of Think the, the amazing, amazing of person. course, just look past all of that, all of the, any parent daddy issues oh or gosh, drinking yes. or cheating or you know whatever and just deal with it and be happy and think that I'm the most amazing person ever. Yes. Carry on. Like that. And <laughs> we got to stop doing that, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> it's not what dating was supposed to look like, right? No, not right. at all. Yeah. Not I mean, gosh, we, we talked about that with Josh and I, right? That we disliked each other at first, right? You know, and thankfully that has turned around at this <laughs> point in time. But Hopefully being that I'm sitting in y'all's place now. <laughs> yes. Um, well, you know, I think that you're right. I can't, you know, we'll definitely talk about that another day. And, you know, maybe we'll have someone on that wants to share more about that. Because I can imagine that there are so many times that have popped into your head where dating has been better. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. For sure. Oh, Jen, thank you so much. It's been a delight to have you in person. You know, I'm so grateful that you healed from COVID and that you are feeling so much better and that I get to see you, right? Pre-COVID, we were doing events for Safe Child all the time and we Mm -hmm. were trying to get closer anyway. So we were trying to go out for beers and do these things and then COVID hit and now we're having to be so careful about how we interact with people. So I'm very grateful that I got to see you today. 
Well, thank you so much for having me over. And I never have an issue talking. So thanks for just letting me ramble. <laughs> yes. No, my gosh. Yes. That's why we're here. Anything you'd like to plug? Uh, well, first, I mean, I probably wouldn't have be, be where I am fully on this journey if, if it wasn't for what I do for work. Yeah. So shout out New Direction Family Law is the firm that I work at. And we also have a podcast that I mm-hmm. Would probably might be fired for if I didn't mention while on here. <laughs> Just kidding, but it's called the Exit Strategy, and the tagline is "Your No Bullshit Guide to Divorce." But really, we talk about all things relationship. We've had um, a dating, or we're, we're about to have a dating coach up there. We're having a divorce coach. We've had a forensic, um, a digital forensic person, a oh, private investigator. Amazing. We've had therapists up there talking about can you come back from an affair. Why do people yep. cheat? So all kinds of different relationship things. Me and uh, one of my best friends was just on there talking about kids going through a divorce. And uh, yeah, so the exit strategy, you can find it wherever. If you feel so inclined to listen, we'd love to have you listen. But um, otherwise, no, that's it. Great. We'll make sure to link it in the show notes. Y'all definitely check it out. Again, it's called the exit strategy. So it's EX dash it. Yep. And it's wonderful. You know, there's plenty of topics that people can relate to, share it with people that might be going something, going through something similar in your life. Definitely check it out. Yeah. Awesome. And check out Safe Child, you know, come to an oh, event yeah. that Jen Definitely and I put plug on. that too, yeah. <laughs> yes, feel free to come to a Young Ambassadors event when we can do things in person again, if you're in the Raleigh area or just check us out online and social media. Yeah, if you yeah. feel so inclined. Great. Well, thanks, Jen. I so appreciate it. And it was so good to see you. Absolutely, you too. Thank you for listening to I've Been Better. I'm your host, Susan Youngstead. Please be sure to leave a review and subscribe wherever you consume podcasts and follow us on social media at I've Been Better.pod.